0: What's up everybody? Welcome to the JKR Podcast. My name is Jay Strigling. I'm going to be your host. Let's get into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. It is the JKR Podcast. It is episode number 27. And I'm Jay Shrigling, the host. Today, we've got Daniel Salib on the show. He is a fellow aspiring player agent. Instead of doing Major League Baseball like myself, he wants to do it for the National Football League. We're both big believers in producing quality content for our athletes. Daniel, he has a lot of great knowledge within the sports industry, within sports marketing. He actually works for Joshua Grady and Grady Sports Agency, who I've talked a little bit about before on the podcast. Just a great company, and I'm glad to see Daniel's a part of that. But today we talk a little bit about his career plans, a little bit about this past year's NFL draft, the upcoming NFL draft here in 2022, some offseason moves, um, a little bit about name, image, and likeness, and then to end it all, we to end it off. We talk a little bit about the steps. Daniel would go about marketing his first client. So let's dig into today's episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have Texas A&M student and aspiring NFLPA player agent, Daniel Salib on the show. Daniel, I'm really glad to have you. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Jace. Uh, I'm excited to be on. I know it's been a long time in the works, but I'm sure we're we're going to have some great conversation today and really dive into different parts of football and other aspects of sport. So I'm really yeah. happy to be on with you.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just to get started, I know that we're both aspiring player agents, you for the NFL, me for Major League Baseball. But first, I just want to ask you, what got you first interested in becoming an agent?
1: Oh, man. Um, as you know, there's a ton of different professions in the sport industry I bounced I mean as soon as I found out that I wasn't gonna grow into a player type mold um, which was unfortunate but it happens to a lot of us we still have a love for the game and so I bounced around from wanting to be a coach to a general manager and then I finally found a passion I love for the financial side of sport and that's what led me to being an agent and the more that I looked into it and the more that I read into it uh, just being a part of these players lives and advocating on their behalves and these big-time deals, hopefully in the future, just really, really seemed to be my calling, what really stuck out to me. And so I've had this dream since I was 17, maybe, and I'm 20 now, going strong on the dream. So I'm really excited for what the future holds.
0: Yeah. So this is your senior year, correct, coming up this fall?
1: Yeah. So actually, I'm going to be a junior, but I graduate a semester early. So technically, I'm still class of 2022. It'll be in the fall.
0: Okay. So it'd be one year from now. Yeah. Okay. So what's your plan to officially becoming certified after you graduate?
1: So with the NFL PA, you need to either have a master's degree, seven years of negotiating experience or a law degree. I obviously the master's degree, I wouldn't say is the easiest, but it is the shortest length. I however chose to pursue law school. So I'm going to be pursuing law school after my undergraduate So actually being NFLPA certified won't come until I am maybe 25, 26 years old. So we've got a ways off from now. Um, But I do plan to graduate fall of 22 in my undergrad. And then I'll attend law school from 2023 to 2025, 2026. However long that lasts, usually three years. And then I will take the NFLPA certification exam that usually comes around once a year in July. So about half a decade away which seems like a long time, but time flies, as you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that actually the master's degree was one of the biggest reasons I decided to like fall back from becoming an NFL, uh, trying to become an NFL agent. Baseball was always like my favorite sport. It was the sport that I always grew up loving, but NFL was actually the sport I wanted to represent guys in. But I just felt like going to school for seven more years after high school just wasn't for me. Major league baseball, you need a bachelor's degree. So, um, I don't I'm not saying, trying to I'm not trying to take the easy way out but I feel like going for 7 years just wasn't for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's I don't want to say it's daunting to look at but it's definitely not exciting. I would say law school outside of sport also intrigues me in general, so I think I'll I'll learn a lot and it's always a goal of mine to be a lifelong learner and I think law school will be my most valuable education that I'll receive in terms of, you know, K through 12 and undergrad. I think law school is going to be by far and away more than anything I've ever learned. And it's going to be interesting stuff for that matter. So I was willing, I am willing to go through a couple of extra years of schooling knowing that I think it will benefit me in the long run in regards to credibility and overall knowledge of contracts. So that's kind of where my head is at with law school. Yeah.
0: So have you started looking at a few different law schools around the nation, or are you still just focusing on your undergraduate?
1: Yeah, so I have actually looked a lot more into LSAT prep, which is the the exam you have to take in order to – it's like the SAT, but for law school. I've looked into a couple of schools for law. Um, I am from Texas, and I would like to stay in Texas as much as possible. That was my goal for undergraduate, and I'm at Texas A&M now. Um, but I would not be opposed to going out of state if it is – a bigger school. I like to have big goals for myself. So if any of the bigger schools give me um, good scholarship money, whether that be an Ivy League or just a prestigious school in general, that's definitely a goal that I am setting my sights on.
0: Yeah. So what are a few different jobs that you've had in the past that have kind of helped accelerate your career in the sports industry?
1: Absolutely. So right now, actually, I'm working with, and I believe you know him, Joshua Grady. Um, I work yeah. with sports agency right now. Um, in, a fo- in the football capacity, I-, I watch film on a couple of guys every single week. Um, we're looking at guys that we want to recruit for this 2022 class. I also consult on the salary cap side of things. I have a pretty good understanding of the NFL salary cap and collective bargaining and agreement and some of Joshua's guys have second contracts coming up. So I'm consulting and giving knowledge on that as well. Um, on top of that, I also work with Texas NFL football and their operation uh, pretty much just a water boy, but I'd say a glorified water boy because we do yeah. a ton of grunt work around the facility. Um, you know, when, when COVID screening was going on, we were in charge of that. We are the first people in to get ready for 6am lifts. We're there at 515. We're the last people to leave when we tear down practice in the evening so just being able to be a part of the program obviously has been it's been an experience. It's been rewarding to, to get to see the insides of that and how a football team is run. And then also with Joshua getting to see how an agency is run. It's really the best of both worlds. And that's just more recently. Um, my freshman year, I was at Texas A&M Corpus Christi and I worked in their athletic marketing department. So I've, I've drawn a little bit from marketing. I've drawn a little bit from actual football team and I've drawn a lot recently with joshua since i started back in february so definitely always looking for opportunities and always um going full speed ahead on them as much as i can
0: yeah i mean i 100% agree with you i've got um i start working for the iu recruiting department on the football team here coming up in august i'm excited for that but how did you get connected how did you get connected with joshua so
1: i took his agent academy course in 2020 in september and that ran through october And obviously um, he follows the people that uh, attend his class on social media. And I just um, continue to put out content uh, in regards to, you know, film, watching football, understanding the money side of the business. And he approached me in January of this year about possibly coming onto the team. And it's just blossomed ever since then. Uh, We've got weekly scouting calls, recruiting meetings, everything in between, and I we've got tons of guys that we are continuously watching in regard to the 2022 and even 2023 draft class. So and I'm always grateful. Um, I always say I'm always grateful to Joshua for allowing me to come on to the GSA team. You know, obviously he is the founder, owner, CEO, you know, the whole nine yards, and to allow me to be a part of that team has just really been awesome, and I've enjoyed it a ton.
0: Yeah. So could you see yourself working for Joshua out, like outside of school, like once you graduate, while you're working on your law degree, or do you plan on trying to go somewhere else?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I would love to stick around with GSA. I think we're building something there that is um, very future, future, futuristic thinking. I think um, we've got players' best interests at heart. So we've got a good idea and really good grasp on marketing. I would love to stick with GSA, obviously, I don't know what the future holds. I think we're building a top five agency there as we speak in, on the NFL side of things. And so, and I've never, I know this is a question for later, but I've never really aspired to start my own agency. I always wanted to come on to an agency and, and work my way up the ranks like that, because the type of money and capital that it takes to start yeah. is just absurd. And after going through law school, I'm just not going to want to take that on financially. So definitely I could see myself. Sticking with GSA, and that's the plan for right now. And we'll see what the future holds. I hope that's the case.
0: Yeah, I do agree with you with what you're saying about Joshua. Like, hell, he's a futuristic agency. Um, Last spring when COVID got started, I started seeing some of his content on Instagram, so I gave him a follow. And I actually did the Asian Academy as well, but I think we might have been different classes last fall. And just seeing everything that he does, just about caring for his players, producing just thumb-stopping content, Um, Just everything that he does for his athletes, you can tell that he he actually cares and is genuine for his athletes. But that's just a huge thing. And that's kind of like how I want to model my baseball agency once I get started.
1: Yeah. So do you want to open your own agency or do you want to get involved with someone else existing already?
0: So that's something I'm deciding I'm, I'm in between on right now. So I've got like a full business plan ready to go that I've done for presentations and like business plan competitions and stuff. I've got all branding ready for it. My own slogans, logos, everything. But like you said, capital. It just takes so much to get started up that right now I'm thinking maybe I just try to get into a baseball agency and just work my ass off because I mean that's really what it takes. Yeah. And just proving to them that I know what I can do and maybe they'll have me come on as an age certified agent. I'm not sure yet. I mean, I'm only a sophomore going into my sophomore year, so I still yeah. got a little bit to decide, but yeah, I'm still I- in between right now.
1: It's definitely a tough decision. I would say, I mean, I was really impressed with the whole production of this podcast and the logo that you put out. So I can't even imagine how much effort you put into branding yourself as a future agent and possible agency. I'd say I've seen a lot of people the way that the business generally works just across sports. I think a lot of people establish success within an agency if they don't start their own immediately and then they'll branch out. Yeah,
0: even like Joshua did that as well.
1: Yeah, so Joshua didn't start GSA right off the bat. He took about a year, worked in a different agency. And I've seen different guys doing that recently, especially when bigger agents um, finish up their contracts with their agencies. It generally comes down to, okay, do I want to start my own agency or do I want to negotiate for more leverage, more power, a higher salary in my my existing agency? And I've seen a lot of guys um, go, go both ways. So it really is – I mean it's it's an interesting question. I mean, but best of luck to you. You've got time. I say it all the time. I know we're we're just like we're barely twenty. Are you are you twenty?
0: I'm nineteen, so nineteen,
1: exactly. You're still a teenager, so it's just like there's so much time to figure all this out. But to have a brand and everything put together, you're just way ahead of the game, honestly. Yeah. yeah
0: I'm trying to connect with a lot of ball players now who are like high schoolers who will become eligible to get drafted once I'm graduated and certified. So yeah. I'm just trying to be as prepared as possible once I do get that certification.
1: Absolutely. That's just like, that should be the final check on the list. You should already have player relationships developed. You should already have a branding strategy. You should already have a capital strategy. Like that certification is just like, okay, for you, the MLB will now allow me to represent players. Everything else is already in place. Let's go full swing.
0: Yeah. Like this, the new, well, I guess we're going to talk about it later, but name, image, and likeness, but, I mean, I think that's really going to help me out because this gives me a way to reach out to players just to get connected with them and actually have a reason to reach out.
1: Absolutely. I will say for NIL, speaking of high school players in general, that does vary state to state whether oh, okay, or not...
0: Yeah, sorry, I was talking about college athletes. My okay,
1: there we go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, but, um, okay, so I want to move on to the NFL draft in this past NFL offseason. So I'm not the biggest NFL guy. Like I said, Major League Baseball is my number one. Mm. But... I do want to ask you some NFL questions because, I mean, I see you all over Twitter. I mean, everything sounds legit. Everything matches up to what I've looked up from what I see on your Twitter account. So just looking into the 2021 draft, who do you see as the winners and losers like at this moment?
1: Yeah, so obviously draft classes are hard to um, decipher without anybody playing a single snap. But a couple of guys, a couple of teams that I thought did very well this previous draft was – the Chicago uh, the Bears, Cleveland Browns, Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers, and the Minnesota Vikings, and I'll run through quickly why I think they had such good drafts. I think the Bears coming up nine pick – I think it was nine slots in the draft to get Fields at number 11 overall is the seal of the draft. Um, and, and then they go out and move up again to get Tevin Jenkins in the second round, who is uh, Justin Fields' future bl- blindside protector is that is a cornerstone draft for the Chicago Bears franchise. I think Matt Nagy and um, the general manager up there, I think Ryan Pace, my my name is it's not quite ringing a bell. It could be Ryan Pace. They just saved their jobs, I believe, just with those two picks. They also got a good running back in Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech in the later rounds, and Daz Newsome, who's also a good receiver from North Carolina in the later rounds. So they used capital to move up, but they also got some value in the later rounds. I think the Bears – Won the draft in that aspect. Of course, we'll have to see it play out over a couple of years. Um, another team that I thought were, was a big winner was the Cleveland Browns. Uh, getting Gregory Newsom in the back of the first round, he's an excellent sticky man coverage corner. Getting Jeremiah Wasu-Koroma to fall in the second round to them when everyone thought he was a top 15 player is absolutely ridiculous for whatever reason, but kudos to them. They've got the fastest guy in the draft, no doubt. Actually, um, an Olympic-caliber sprinter and Anthony Schwartz. He ran a 10.07 hundred meters in high school in the third round. And then they got a good offensive tackle in James Hudson out of Cincinnati in the fourth round. They just crushed the draft. I'm a huge fan of Andrew Barry and what Kevin Stefanski and him are doing in Cleveland. Um, but I think the Browns and the bears more than everyone else stuck out to me as having great draft classes.
0: Yeah. So you did, you did point out Justin Fields in that little um, talking about the bears. So yeah. obviously you're, you're a great fan of that Justin Fields pick. Do you expect him to come off the bench this season or um, get the, the starting spot?
1: So I think it's silly to believe that Andy Dalton will start the whole season. I mean, obviously they want sort of the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes model, but Alex Smith was playing at the height of his career at that point. And Patrick Mahomes was much more of a project than Justin Fields is right now. I would say Justin Fields is starting in the first quarter of the season. And if not, you're just wasting time because Andy Dalton's not your future. You just need to get Justin Fields' reps, get him out there. I think he's uber talented. He's obviously the future of that franchise for the next decade plus. Um, There shouldn't be a rush to get him out there, but I think he's absolutely ready, and there's no point to keep him on the bench for too long. Um, And from what I've heard, good things out of the Bears so far in terms of Justin Fields, so – he should be starting pretty early on in the season.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I was always a huge fan of Justin Fields just because I'm, I'm, I'm a big, big 10 guy. I'm from the Midwest, so all the big 10s around me. No, I was always a big fan of him, and I was glad to have him get drafted in Chicago just because I live so close to Chicago, be able to get the chance to see him play. But is Justin Fields your pick to win rookie of the year, or you got somebody else in mind?
1: No, so with that being said, um, I know we said we'll see Justin Fields starting early in the in the season, but I think Trevor Lawrence starts from week one. He's the favorite. It's not a flashy pick, but he's got good weapons around him. Um, DJ Chark, Travis Etienne, LaVisca Chenault, a um, couple of guys come to mind there. I jokingly want to throw in Tim Tebow. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> he's, not, um, he's definitely not an NFL-caliber tight end um, at this age. Maybe if he made the switch – six, seven years ago he could be, but that's another topic. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is the safe pick, and I think he'll rack up 4,000 yards, and he'll do more on the ground than people expect him to. That's another thing. People don't give Trevor enough credit for his ability to run the football, but speaking of the Big Ten, he ran through Ohio State on multiple different occasions. So I think he's the safe pick, and he's my pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year for sure. Okay, what about defense? Defense, uh, not going to deviate from – the The betting odds too much. I think Micah Parsons is the favorite draft of the Cowboys, number 10 overall, um, and I believe he does end up winning Defensive Rookie of the Year just because um, it is a stat-driven, not so much impact, but stat-driven award, and he's going to go in there right away. Um, whether he replaces Leighton Van Der Esch or Jalen Smith, I'm not quite sure, but he's going to replace one of them. And he's going to rack up 100 plus tackles, five plus sacks. Um, he's very good in coverage. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a few interceptions throughout the scenes of the through the defense. Um, but Micah Parsons from Penn State, another Big Ten guy, is my pick for defensive rookie of the year. A sleeper, in my opinion, is Jamin Davis out of Kentucky went. 19th overall of the Washington football team. I think just as Michael Parsons is going to run up those stats, Jamin Davis will as well because Washington's linebacker core is just absolutely decimated. And so he's going to step in right away and be that guy that's flying all over the field for them. So Michael Parsons is my favorite, and Jamin Davis is probably my sleeper for Defensive Rookie of the Year.
0: Okay. All right. So, other than the draft, what were some moves made this offseason that really surprised you?
1: Oh, man. Um, let's see. I've got a couple of things. Well, if we're going to say other than the draft, I was going to say the Davis Mills pick by the Texans. I'm a Texans fan, so that was tragic to see. But other than the draft, Shaquille Barrett with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took a huge discount at four years, $72 million. That puts him at – which obviously doesn't sound like a discount. but And he, he wanted to stay in Tampa Bay, and they wanted to return all their starters. So I understand. But a top-of-the-market pass rusher right now – is going for 25 to 27 million average per year. And Shaq Barrett signed for $18 million a year. And so that's a huge deviation from the market. Um, we expected him to sign for a discount, but I was expecting it to at least break $20 million per year. So is everyone else. So to see him sign for that low of a number is great on the part of Jason Light, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers general manager. Uh the Chiefs addressed their offensive line this off season. I think Joe Joe Tooney was their biggest addition, as long as or, as well as Orlando Brown Jr. Um, they're going to be committing roughly eighteen to nineteen million dollars a year on that left side of the offensive line when Orlando Brown does eventually sign his extension. Joe Tooney signed for five years, eighty million, putting him at sixteen million a year, and or- I expect Orlando Brown to come in around twenty million a year. So. They've invested a ton in protecting Patrick Mahomes, who's the face of the NFL for the next decade plus. So I liked seeing that. And another another sort of under-the-radar move that I liked, the Browns signed John Johnson um, at safety. They took him from the Rams for a very team-friendly deal. Um, and he's one of the better safeties in the entire league. And that was their glaring need coming into this offseason was safety slash secondary. Um and they address that in the draft, and they addressed in free agency. And I think the Browns, if Baker Mayfield continues to trend in a positive manner and not so much a hindrance to the offense but a, a positive, then they are Super Bowl contenders in my opinion. And that was an under-the-radar move that I really liked this offseason.
0: Okay. What about the Carson Wentz trade? I'm a big Colts guy, so let's hear your thoughts on the Carson Wentz trade.
1: I think the Eagles got a good amount of compensation for Carson Wentz. I believe um, – that conditional pick will turn into a first rounder for them. I think it's a, a first and a third, possibly a first and a second. I don't quite remember the terms. But in terms of Carson Wentz going to the Colts, I think there's a lot of potential there. He had some of his best seasons with Frank Wright in um, in Philadelphia before Frank went on to be the head coach at, in Indy. Um, he just needs to get out of his own head, honestly. He needs to rebuild his confidence. Um, I think Michael Pittman Jr., is in for a huge season with Carson Wentz. I think they're going to have great chemistry. Um, Paris Campbell coming back healthy. Um, trying to think. Mo Ali cox is a very good tight end. That ground, that rushing attack with Jonathan Taylor, Jordan Wilkins, Naheem Hines. I mean, Carson Wentz and that defense is incredible. That Matt Eberflus is their defensive coordinator. They are incredibly well coached. It starts with DeForest Buckner up front, and it goes all the way to the back with Kenny Moore and Julian Blackman and those guys in the secondary. The Colts are probably one of the most complete teams in the NFL, and they are absolutely contenders if Carson Wentz can return to his 2019 form, which I absolutely believe he can. He just needs to be eased into it, and he doesn't have to go out and win games for the Colts. They've got a great team. So I think he can ease into that and have a a big bounce-back season.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited for the Colts. But um, So moving on from that, what are some of your – wait, sorry. Give me a second. Okay, so moving on to the 2022 NFL Draft, who are some of the top players you see at each position?
1: Oh, man, there's a ton of consensus, guys, right now. I can roll through some of the positions. Quarterback, um, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Carson Strong, Keaton Slovis all come to mind. Offensive line, you'll see the likes of Evan Neal, Sean Ryan, um, Kenyon Green, all come – and Kane Madden, Tyler Lindenbaum out of Iowa. They'll – they're all pretty solidified in the front of their position groups on the offensive line, tight end. Um, you'll see Charlie Kohler, Jalen Weidemeyer, Jaleel Billingsley out of Alabama running back. You'll see Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall at the top of a lot of draft boards, Brees Hall, Iowa state guy. On the defensive side of the ball, I think is a more talented class than we've seen in recent years. I think Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, um, is that generation – not generational, sorry, that's a a big – he's that type of prospect that we haven't seen in a couple of years, I would say, since probably Nick Bosa, so two years. I don't think last year's draft class had that. I could be – no, it really didn't. And so Kayvon Thibodeau, DeMarvin Leal, George Carlaftis, who we're going to get into a little bit later, all great defensive ends at the second level – Cameron Harris um, as an off-ball linebacker, Terrell Bernard, Devin Lloyd. Um, in the secondary, I think Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame is in a class of his own. He's a top-five player regardless of positional value in this draft class. His film is ridiculous. Um, so he's he's another very elite prospect in the secondary. And then you've got more of those at corner. Derek Stingley has been heralded as the guy since he was a freshman at LSU. Uh, Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, Kyir Elam from Florida, I believe. If you need a corner in this draft class, this is the one for you. It is extremely loaded. It's extremely talented. Um, and I'll say for the 2022 draft class, it it is a draft that you want to have sec- a ton of second through fourth round picks. It is very deep, very loaded. If you need a quarterback in this class, this is your class to get one. I think there's a ton of good potential elite and good starters in this class in the nfl and every time college football comes around one or two guys always balls up draft boards that we didn't even expect so there's a lot of potential in this draft class to build nfl teams in the future
0: yeah so as you talk about quarterbacks what do you think about my dude michael Penix jr for iu
1: i am a big fan of michael Penix jr um i just we need to see more out of him he's only played 15 games i think if you've ever watched him you're hoping for a full healthy season um i know his accuracy was not as good in 2020 as it was in recent years but the way the ball zipped out of his hands the uh, his playmaking ability he could be one of those guys that i just mentioned previously that shoots up draft boards you know if he goes out and outduels another ohio state team again this year and he stays healthy um and i love Indiana football, by the way, um, I love what the coach is doing there. The oh Leo. yeah, Tom,
0: Tom Allen. I love Tom Allen. Yeah,
1: Tom Allen. The way the way he gets all battled and bruised up after those post game celebrations and the the Leo mindset that they have there. Um, so, but Penix specifically, I think he's a guy that can be a huge riser. I think he's a day two, possible day three project guy right now. But his his stock, his draft stock, could really vault up, and it wouldn't hurt him. To stay at Indiana for another year after this one. You know, there's, yeah. there's always a rush to get to the NFL, but now with name, image, and likeness, you can make money off of that and stick around and really enhance your game, get your degree, the whole nine yards. So I'm excited to see a full, healthy season from Penix. And I'm, I think a lot of people are rooting for him.
0: Yeah. So what about his number one target, Ty Freifogel? What do you think about him?
1: I think he's a day two guy right now. I think he is, I've actually, so I haven't been able to deep dive into his film, but I did um, watch a little bit of his game. Deep dive is generally like two to three games um, of just watching that all 22 tape um, of just that player, every single snap. But for Freifogl, um he's got great um, intangibles, great size. He's an excellent deep threat. I believe he averaged close to 20 yards to catch last season. He tracks the ball very well in the air. He's got great body control, for a bigger receiver, he's got really good footwork at the line of scrimmage, getting off the line of scrimmage. Um, and he is one of the premier receiving options in not only the Big Ten, but all of college football.
0: Yeah. Do I think, think- Oh, go ahead.
1: I think um, he's only in the day two conversation right now because he's not an elite athlete prospect in regards to the wide receiver position, which is what we see um, going in the first rounds now, just because the wide receiver position is – so stacked, but he is definitely a guy that could be a mainstay in the NFL for a long time, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. So do you think not having Watt failure on the team this year could possibly hurt him? Because last year having two great targets for Michael Penix to throw to definitely helped the team.
1: Absolutely. And on that note, I will say you guys got a great transfer um, from A&M to Indiana, Cameron Buckley. I don't know if you are aware that he transferred, but I'm a huge Cameron Buckley fan. Um I would look into him. I'd look into his game. If you haven't already, he is someone for Indiana fans to be excited about. He is rehabbing um, an injury, a season-ending injury that he suffered before the 2020 season even began. Uh, just being around the AM football program, he is a great guy. He is also a great football player, to see, and I think he can be that number two across from from Fryfogle this season for Penix. He's an exceptional route runner. I think he's going to fit into that Indiana offense really well.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I am really excited for IU football this year. I believe we still have a shot at possibly taking down Ohio state. I know that's a, that's a big task to do, but I feel like this might be a year that we could do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no, I would, I don't want to say there's no established quarterback obviously because Ohio state churns them out. I think CJ Strahd is projected to start this year and he, I hear that he's a stud, but I mean, there's no, Justin Fields this year. So this is the year to, to get it done for IU football. And I think yeah. that you are Ohio state's number one contenders right now.
0: All right. Well, I'll take your word for that. Yeah. But uh, you brought up George Carlaftis earlier. So let's talk a little about George Carlaftis Kar- and David Bell for Purdue.
1: Yeah. So Karlaftis, um, consensus, top half of the first round guy, he's been heralded. Um, he's a guy, he's a, a bigger recruit that stayed home um, close, close to home in Purdue and, um, I've seen a lot of top half of the first round projections on him. I watched a little bit of his game. Obviously, he dealt with a lot of issues in 2020 um, with injuries, and I believe he contracted COVID himself, which set him back a while. But his freshman tape in 2019 is phenomenal. He's extremely strong. He's a guy that is relentless on the play. He will not give up until the whistle blows. Um, he's one of the best pure defensive ends in this class. You know, I put him right up there with Leal and, and right underneath Thibodeau from Oregon. He's going to be a guy that gets his name called early on draft night, and if he's there, he's going to give Roger Goodell a massive bear hug because that is one very large young man in this.
0: <laughs> so, what about David Bell? I know David Bell. He was he was also a big time dude going to Purdue when he uh, in 2019, I believe. So, where do you see him going this NFL, this 2022 draft?
1: Yeah. So David Bell reminds me a lot of Fry Foggle They've got very similar body compositions, both 6'2", both over 200 pounds. Um, both are more of possession-type receivers. They're not going to blow you away with their speed, but I think David Bell is an exceptional player. He finds ways to get open. He contorts his body just in tremendous fashion to reach just pretty much any ball that's in his vicinity. His catch radius is pretty incredible. Um, I think he does fall into that day two range as well probably third round right now just because um, that speed doesn't exactly show on tape and he doesn't show as much separation at the top of his routes as Fryfogle does from what I've seen preliminary um, in my preliminary watchings but he's a very good player um, and he's got plus plus production in the Big Ten he's had a thousand yard receiving season I think he followed that up with another 900 yard receiving season this past year um, and Rondell Moore gone now um, he is he has been the guy, but he is the guy now. So, um, And Rondell Moore went in the second round, so Purdue's been churning out some good NFL talent now here for a few years. I think David Bell's a good player, and I think he falls into that day two range for sure. All
0: right, all right. Yeah, so moving on to name, image, and likeness. That came out July 1st. So what are some of your initial thoughts on the regulations?
1: Oh, man, uh, it is all over the place. First and foremost, I would like to say I am incredibly happy to see that um, every state has some sort of interim name, image, and likeness legislation or guidelines in place. I think this is long overdue for these players. They should absolutely have been able. It's ridiculous to even think that being a part of the NCAA stripped you of your rights to profit off of who you are as a human being. Uh, from from Division One to Division Three, whether you're a man or a woman in any sport, the fact that you can profit off of yourself is absurd. And I think we'll look back. I think people that didn't believe or want this to happen now will look back a decade from now, realize that it had no bearings on the actual product of the game itself, and realize how ridiculous it was. But early, early returns from NIL are, are a mixed bag. Um, we see some guys that have some guys and gals that have had. Um, really good, strong teams around them, whether it be a legal team, a marketing team, a strategy team, um, or all of them for that matter, that have come together and really come out of the gates with good deals and, and deals that make sense for their brand. But for every one or two good ideas or plans or merchandise drops or partnerships that I've seen NCAA athletes have, I've seen 10 10 bad pieces of advice, Yes. bad deals for players. Um, and I think it just – it, and it's not the player's fault, let me say that. Um, it is the NCAA's fault entirely because the way that this process was rushed and the way that they delayed sending out any information and really just trying to hold off to the last moment really hurt these players. And so when July 1st rolled around and everyone all of a sudden has NIL rights, um, with, literally within a few days. So the, the way it was, I'm sure you know, um, only a few states took it upon themselves to draft legislation th- and get it passed. I, th- I
0: think it was 11, right?
1: Yeah, something along those lines. Days. I know Florida was the pioneer. Darren Heitner um, was really a pioneer for all of NIL um, legislation. He got started in 2019 in Florida. But something like 11 states, and then the other 39, you know, you're sort of just scrambling, um, and now it's not even a state thing. States are still coming out with legislation, but now it's up to the schools. So there's a lot of inconsistency amongst the the state laws and obviously Congress, you know, there was talk of them possibly coming out with a federal law, but I think the NCAA has, I, I mean, I just want to be really blunt. I think they've messed it up for these kids right off, right out of the gate. I think – the kids that are patient and the kids that have a good team around them um, are going to end up being a, a lot better off. And and this is, I mean, this is year one, not even year one. This is first two weeks. So there's going to be a ton of growing pains, but I'm happy to see that it is now legal and these players can maintain their eligibility while also profiting off of their name, image, and likeness. But mixed bag, to say the least.
0: Yeah. So you said there's you see you did see quite a few players that did have good quality marketing plans. So what were some of those marketing? Who were some of those players that did take advantage of their NIL platform that you've yeah. seen so far?
1: So um, going down in the state of Florida, I think the two quarterbacks that those marquee scored there: De'Ara King at Miami and Mackenzie Milton at um, Florida State. They had known for a while and had actually been involved in getting NIL legislation passed in Florida. They've both gone on to do – I think Derek King has a $20,000 marketing deal. I know they both have NFTs coming out. Um, I know Miami football has a deal in place for every one of their players. I think it's like a $540,000 total. Each player could receive $6,000 if they so choose to sponsor um, some – Gym brand in 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 the Florida area in Miami area, um, on the female side of things, the Cavender sisters. Um, I believe they both play basketball at Fresno State. I believe they're represented by Darren, who I've mentioned previously. They've gotten off to a great start. I know they were in New York on July 1st, and they were on some billboards in Times Square. So they definitely were ready to go. Um, looking at my notes, I okay. Oh. The biggest one of all, um, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, a six-figure memorabilia deal, and he created his own NFT with one of Nike's top executives. Partnered with Phil Knight, obviously the founder of Nike, and that's going to be huge for Oregon going forward. Um, if if it gives any school an advantage, NIL, it's Oregon because they are all over this brand strategy building. They're all over this marketing headquarters of nike um you know people used to make fun of oregon for all their different uniforms and you know they're not winning national championships but they go out with all this flash and fire and whatnot and and now they are in a prime position of in marquee talent because they are on the forefront of all things nil in my opinion as well as some of the florida schools um so those are a couple of guys and girls that i've seen really really have a good understanding of what's going on early on for sure yeah
0: yeah, for sure. Um, one person I actually um, see take full advantage of the NIL was Miller Copp. I'm not sure if you heard of him before. The basketball, name of the bell. Basketball player for IU. He transferred from Northwestern this offseason. Yes. But he's done, he's done a great job so far. I'm not sure if he has a partnership with any companies yet. But, like, this, as soon as the NIL regulations came out on July 1st, he made, like, this huge tweet just saying he has four goals for the NIL. They were be authentic to tell his own story, to engage with fans and to align his brand with different businesses and um, to partner with. That's and awesome. then he ended up he ended up coming with a coming up with a vlog about just behind the scenes of him training with him with the IU basketball players. He's one guy that I've seen just in my area just take full advantage of it and I'm really excited to see what he does in the future, but that I just wanted to bring it up for you.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to I'm definitely going to follow him on all social media now. I'm a huge fan of any athlete that understands that ball is important, but also that you can build your own brand and it doesn't have to be one or the other. So I love seeing guys really understand what it looks like to build their brand. And I love those four things that he came out with. I think that's really awesome. So he's got a fan in me um, and I'm going to keep an eye out for him.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, with him just moving to IU, I wasn't really a fan. But when he did that, I definitely gave him the follow, and I'm following his career from now on. But yeah, let's absolutely. move on to Barstool Sports. So what they did with the NIL, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, Barstool, to be very honest with you, I've never been a huge fan. Um, but what they did with NIL specifically really grinded my gears, and I don't say that a lot. It's an old-time saying. It's probably outdates me by a couple decades, but – they just seem to have no idea what they were getting into. Um, and it's dangerous when the athlete doesn't have a full idea of what's going on and a brand that has absolutely no idea what's going on then wants to partner with those athletes. And they received hundreds of thousands of applications to become a Barstool athlete. And one of the main focal points of NIL guidelines is that you cannot associate with Um, or endorse or sponsor any betting platform and barstool has a betting affiliated part of their business and so now a something came out where barstool was like looking to separate the barstool athlete entity from the barstool betting entity and that'll play out over the next few weeks or months months who knows but I think it was just poorly planned by them. I don't think they put any thought into it. And I think it is – I think it's on par for Barstool, honestly. I mean, you won't find a – I'm just not a fan of Barstool. I'll leave it at that. But I think they've done a lot to endanger these athletes' eligibility. Um, And they're not a brand that I would partner with even when they have their legal stuff together because – they've proven that they don't show true care or regard for these athletes in my opinion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just wanted to set you up for that because I mean I follow Darren Heitner as well and I know I've been following what's been going on. So I just wanted to set you up for that. Uh, talk talk about your thoughts on that. But um so what are you a fan of some other companies that have came out saying that they're willing to partner with pretty much any athlete?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, not any athlete. I know we've seen the the yoke gaming um the terms of agreement have been a little hazy and, and what these players agreed to. I will say in general, I am a fan of any brand that wants to empower these athletes and bring them along for the, I don't even want to say bring them along for the ride. Cause that's not true. These athletes provide so much value to these brands. Um, I would say if, if a brand was endorsed by a collegiate athlete, I would be more enticed to buy that product or service because I believe in the people that they are bringing on to their team. Um, we've seen Yoke Gaming come out and say, we'll pay every college athlete that endorses us. We've seen a lot of guys on Cameo, things like that. And I think that's different from yeah, I, I intentional think and a, meaningful partnerships.
0: Yeah. I think Cameo is a lot different than the GoPuff and the Yoke Gaming in terms right. of just partnerships between athletes and the companies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause Cameo, I believe it's, you can just sign up for it and, and receive shout outs. I don't think you're actually a partner with yeah. that man, which is honestly just the bare minimum. You're just making like what, 20, 30 bucks a shout out.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's because basically it just like those, another outlet for you to build your brand basically.
1: Yeah. It just goes to show that these guys and girls really have no idea how powerful their brands are, especially some of these people that have hundreds of thousands of followings and followers on social media. Your post is worth much more than 20, 30 bucks. So I think it's important that people that understand and are on the forefront of this really reach out and help these young kids as much as possible because the last thing we want is NIL to go south. Um, yeah, we want it to 100%. be extremely successful. And I don't think there's any going back now, obviously. I think this is a forever thing, but we want it to be fruitful. Well, fruitful. We want it to be successful. We want, we want it to help these athletes um, and really just receiving the value that they deserve. So...
0: Yeah, 100%. And then I've got one last question for you before we end. Um, So let's say you were to represent a collegiate athlete by yourself. What would be the first step into marketing your client?
1: Yeah, so I think the very first step would be discovering who my client is, as well as things, brands that they enjoy using. I think understanding who you are as an athlete and what you like and what brands you like is just as important to establish a personal brand as it is to establish connections with businesses because brands want and it goes back to what you were saying about in early if you really enjoy using a product then we want to find a way to connect product. so the first thing i would do in marketing a guy that wanted an nil wanted to come on board with me and an nil team that i had i would understand who that man or woman is um i would understand what they enjoy i would un- important to them, their values, um, areas of integrity for them where they don't want to compromise, and general brands that they like, and then I would go from there. I would not reach out to any brands until I understood who my athlete was um, and how we could best represent them. I think that is the most important thing, and I think that's what a lot of athletes um, haven't understood. It's not, it's not like the race is going to stop, like tomorrow. It's, this is a forever thing. And while you may not be in college, you may only be in college for a year or two more years, you still have time to build your brand. You still have time to create meaningful partnerships. You don't have to drop merchandise on the first day. You don't have to partner with the first company that comes and talks to you. It's important to create a strategy. It's important to understand what you want out of these partnerships. And it's important to understand your value. And I think it all starts with understanding your personal brand. So my step one would be understanding the athlete's personal brand and going from there.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. But with that being said, I do really appreciate you coming on this show. I think that's all we're going to do today. I really enjoyed our conversation. And I really look forward to seeing what you can do in your career as um, an NFLPA agent.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Jace. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I'm a huge fan of you. The more I've gotten to know you over this conversation, you seem to have um a plan going forward and i hope to see while i'm in football i hope to see you doing big things in baseball speaking of baseball the home run derby is about to come on so i'm excited to watch that for yeah. sure
0: who's your pick for tonight
1: oh man i haven't looked too much into the field i'm just looking for something entertaining which i'm sure it absolutely will be
0: yeah um, i mean your boy joy gallo he's from texas
1: ooh, ooh. ooh not a rangers fan not a rangers no. fan and not i'm a an asset fan, fan? I'm an Astros fan. Oh, you
0: know? man, man. I, I might have to, might not have to post this episode.
1: I know, I know. That comes with a, an asterisk these days. But, I mean, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Also, well, I don't condone cheating, but I'll say I think we all know the Astros weren't the only ones involved in nefarious dealings in baseball over the years. And baseball has an integrity issue as a sport as a whole. But the Astros definitely had some bad Bad moments for sure. Yeah, right.
0: I do. I do agree with you that they they weren't the only team cheating, but
1: it's unfortunate. I, you know, it it's unfortunate, but you know we're four years removed from that now, and they're still one of the best teams in baseball. So,
0: yeah, I mean you're doing way better than my Cubs. I mean, the Cubs <laughs> won a World Series, and then we, yeah. we were competitive for like two more years, and we went down the hole. So,
1: yeah, we'll see what happens with Chris Bryant, though. I think that'll be a turning point for the Cubs, one way
0: or the other. Yeah, I think they're going to be selling here in these next few weeks, but I think Bryant's going to be one of the guys out of our, our core players to stay. Yeah, so that's well, just my prediction. But
1: I hope so. I mean, he's a he's a he's a generational type guy. I'm pretty sure he's having a bounce back season. I haven't been too involved in baseball this year. I've got a lot going on, so don't have too much time for live sports. So I sit down when I can and watch him, But Chris Bryant's not going to lose, similar to Carlos Correa. But it looks like we're going to lose him. So.
0: Yeah, it's t- this is going to be a big free agent class. I mean, like you said, you follow the NFL, I follow Major League Baseball. Like that, it's a big, it's a big off season coming up.
1: It absolutely is. It's going to be a ton of fun to watch for sure. Hopefully, yeah. MLB can find a good way to market it and and bring more engagement into the fan base.
0: Yeah, I mean they're falling behind the NBA and NFL, so that's what I, that's what I'm trying to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great goal to have. I and it is something that absolutely should be addressed in baseball. So go out there and get it done.
0: Yeah. All right. I look. All right. I mean, I look forward to doing that. Hopefully, we both do some big things. And I just appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Jace. I appreciate yep. your time.
0: another great episode in the books just an awesome conversation today with daniel i think we think very similar when it comes to just athlete marketing and athlete branding i always love talking about the sports agency business so i really just appreciate him coming on the show but with that being said we only have seven episodes left here of season one last episode's going to be on labor day with delmer bond trigger But let's talk about next week. Next week we've got IU freshman wide receiver Malachi Holt-Bennett. So hopefully we'll get to see him at The Rock this fall just making some plays. We'll be talking to him about this upcoming season. And then after that, we're going to have newly drafted star slugger from IU, Cole Barr. Third baseman, got drafted by the Seattle Mariners in the 15th round. Was drafted in the past year in 2019. So we'll be talking to him a little about his awesome career so far and then the draft process, what's changed from the past few years. So I'm just really excited for that. But make sure to give our social media some following. That way you can follow along with the podcast, get to know what's going on. With that being said, I'll catch you guys next week.